Welcome to Focus Schools podcast called Leading for Impact. My name is Brett Bishop, and I'll be working with you today in this podcast. I'm a former principal, teacher, and assistant principal who uh, has really enjoyed the idea of being with Focus Schools because of all the amazing work that I get to see in schools going on supporting kids. And I'm thrilled today to be joined by my colleague and friend, Kathy Crum. Kathy, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Brett. Great. It's great to talk to you and um, get a chance for us to continue in this series of sort of miniature podcasts. We've been doing a Focus in a Flash, just taking a look at four effective strategies that all come under Focus Framework for the idea of uh, developing an, a targeted professional development plan. Those of you listening, there are four of these that are all designed at the what we believe are the most effective strategies that are at the center of a targeted professional development plan. And the first we did was on building expertise, the second in changing practice, the third, and which we'll be doing today, is on using student performance to monitor the effectiveness of that professional development plan. And then lastly, we will have another one that is about communicating relentlessly. The idea today is just thinking about this concept was very foreign to me when I first heard it as a principal, because what I heard them say is we're going to use student performance to monitor professional development effectiveness. And I was of the mind that you went and watched teachers teach to figure out how effective your professional development was. So I'm really interested to talk about this. And Kathy, I wonder if you might share some thoughts with us about it. Yeah, Brett, I'm glad you brought that up that way, because it is a little bit of a mental leap, you know, to think about, oh, wow, wait a minute, how the kids do is really the measure of the success of our of our PD plan. And so um, kind of the definition of it uh, for us is that we're charting uh, the impact on student performance growing out of uh, short term smart smarting targets will celebrate the growth of all students. And so when you think about performance in this respect, What really helped me is to think about not just their performance on test scores, but their performance as learners. And so, for instance, if I become, if I do get better reading scores, then it's really because I have learned a lot of new behaviors as a student to help myself be a better reader. So once I sort of understood that shift and I went, okay, now I can understand how if I teach students certain strategies and then they will take those strategies on, it's like the shifting to them of what I've learned, then, then we'll see the performance. And I go back to, in the other podcast, we talked about creating our own look-fors. In this case, you might be creating look-fors for the students. For example, um, if I'm in guided reading, and which is an example that I've used for elementary throughout this, then um, what are some things that I'm going to hope the students will know how to do? Well, for one thing, of course, we want them to move in their levels. Those are the short-term goals, and they're going to move up, move up levels. But beyond that, they're going to learn how to choose books and they're going to start taking on some of the things that we teach them in small group, like how to look at the beginning and end of the book and how to look at the pictures and how to look at the important words and, you know, all those things that readers do that we taught them. So those would then become some of the student look for's that we would start to um, see that if the students can do that, then we are having a successful PD plan, right? So Brett, yeah, does that kind of resonate with you too? To me, what's interesting about what you were talking about there, I mean, there's so many things to unpack um, that would be t- make this podcast be about three days instead of the short one that we're doing. But um, one of the things to me that's really relevant is the degree to which this helps both students and adults see that there's re- the gold is really in the process, right? We're judged on product all the time. So it's hard not to, to think about that. 
But, you know, in terms of the idea of, you know, summative testing results really sort of uh, weigh on heavy on everyone's mind because that's what gets so public. And then, of course, we have these interim assessments that we do, you know, every, you know, four to six weeks or, you know, three or four times a year. And then, you know, those take a big place in our head. But really the value that we urge people to get to is in addition to those things, not in place of those things, but in addition to those things, is to really think about the formative assessment, both for kids and for teachers, that starts to really drive their thinking about how they're doing. And the more we can get that sort of granular, the more likely I think everybody is to be successful. Again, we always say, you know, that Brene Brown, clarity is kindness. This is about bringing real clarity to what daily learning looks like and daily teaching looks like. You know, so for example, to me, I'm doing a lot of work at the secondary level and helping us to see that it isn't just about knowing my subject area. It's about to what degree am I able to transfer this into the minds of the students in front of me? And how am I empowering them to do the heavy lifting therein? I hear that a lot in secondary schools where their goal this year is to say, we got to get the heavy lifting to be done by the kids and less by the adults. And this is a place that can actually help us to see what that looked like. So um, yeah, I find it fascinating. And I wondered if you might talk a little bit about that, like when students are working differently or you know, what's it look like and how do, how do ILTs learn from that? I mean, I think a huge thing that is important to do this is to actually look at the student work. The student work that the kids are doing every day is actually what's happening at your school. You know, so um, to take to take some of those things, and for instance, a, a, a piece of student work might be if the students have engaged in close reading. And so, you know, they've done the annotations, you know, they've done all, all the things. And then, so would they then, you could take that, take that um, close reading and those examples and then would that then result in the students understanding the, the passage better, the difficult passage better? And so you can bring that student work. ILTs can, you know, work with work with grade levels or with departments with that. And a teacher can bring an example of the student work and then and then you talk through that. And so when students are taking that on and doing it themselves, it's like we want the teacher to be able to leave the room and the students would still know that if I apply these strategies while I'm reading really difficult material, then I will be better able to understand understand that. So I think that a one way that ILTs can make this happen is by actually looking at the student work. And another thing is just talking to students. I mean, I don't, you know, it took me a long time to begin to realize that assessing student performance was less about, like you said, the summative assessments and a whole bunch more about what am I seeing every day? You know, what are, you know, in some, the running records, what do we want them to say? What behaviors are the students exhibiting? What are they taking on by themselves that I don't have to stand there and hover over them anymore to do? That they're, they're taking these practices that we're learning together and they're using them at home and they're using them other places. So they're owning it. That's, yeah. that's really when you, when you've got it right. When they take it on. Yeah. And it feels to me a little bit sort of like freeing for leaders to start to think about, you know, those are the places that we can look and we can really see some interesting things, both in the results of the learning for students, but also the elevation of the instruction to new places. Like you said, the, the student work, it, it was really, it's a nice report card on how things are going on a daily basis in your school, because I'm going to use my own school as an example. We were very frustrated by the fact that our summative data did not match what we were predicting it to based upon our thoughts of where kids 
kids were, say, in reading and math. And so it was a real problem for, from our perspective because the, there was not a match to say, okay, well, we've seen the interim results and we know how our summative results are going to be, and they would not be. And we had so many kids probably about 65 or 70% leaving us below grade level. And what was interesting, what we found was when we did a thing called a question audit for two weeks, anybody visited classrooms, just studied the questions that were being asked either verbally or in writing from teacher to student or student to student, um, you know, put them in categories. And what we then put the categories that we collected alongside the categories of a typical state testing. And what we found was we were essentially, for 179 days a year, we were asking the kids to play basketball. And in one day a year, we were asking them to play soccer. And so it was no wonder that they fell off the table because we, we, we were literally were not in the, using the same language or the same sort of verbs and the same questions that were being used in the testing. So, you know, now people use the, the phrase depth of knowledge, um, you know, where we used to think of it as a thinking hierarchy in the past, but to me, it's a, a great deal the same. It, it basically is saying, if I'm asking kids to recall for 179 days a year, essentially, mostly, almost exclusively recall in my school, but then when we get to standardized testing, it's not recall anymore. It's, it's 10% recall. That was a big lesson for us that mm -hmm. the student work had to reflect something different. Yes. Um, it had to it had to match the way that you know they, they were going to be measured, or else they were going to continue to fail. So we just found that was interesting to to think yes. about that in terms of how we measure student performance. Well, and to think about it as you're talking, I'm thinking about okay. So then up front, we say, for instance, if you're talking about the questioning there and the depth of knowledge, then up front you go. So then. What are the things that we're going to put in place from the beginning to measure how the students are doing? We're going to look at student work. We're going to do a question audit. Da, 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 da. So we decide as an IOT and as a school, we're not waiting until somebody from somewhere comes and says how we're doing. We're going to decide how we're going to measure ourselves. And we're going to decide how often that we're going to measure ourselves. And we're going to do that at the beginning of this whole process. And we're not just relying on the scores. That's one thing, of course, but we also want, to, we're creating learners, you know, we're creating even in your, in your example, students who can ask good questions, you know, and, and everything like that. So um, that's the shift, you know, when you decide, okay, what, what, what will this look like when it's good? And then how will we, how will we monitor that? And then and the other piece of it also is if you start something and it's not helping the students at all, Let's quit. You know, we don't have to just keep doing something just because someone told us to. Right? right. Let's just let's stop it along the way. So that's, you know, just going back to what we talked about in a previous one. You decide your look for you decide how you're going to monitor your progress. To me, then what's also sort of combined with that is then you also have a different level of responsibility for the results. I, I feel like when the whole school is participating in this process, we're more likely to get people to actually sort of people use the term buy in. That's not my favorite term, but I think participate in a deepened way. Right. And I think that's helpful in things like, you know, getting teachers to feel more connected to professional development, getting students to feel more connected and engaged in lessons, um, you know, lessening student, student disengagement and misbehavior, like all of those things, because we're actually involving them. And it seems to me more likely for them to see it have some value in their own life. And so when we're monitoring performance in that way, we're actually giving uh, value to different 
to things that we may not traditionally have been before. Um, and I just, I think that's such a, a, an interesting thing for schools to think about, because as you said, it's something we have control over. There's so many things we don't have control over and then feel like they're just being done to us. We're sort of taking control over something that's really vital. And you've mentioned before about, we're not going to wait for people from the outside to come in and tell us how we're doing. We're going to be monitoring this all along. And when they come, we're going to have a bunch of data to put in front of them. And yeah. say, here's why we're making the decisions. Here's why our PD next Thursday is on this. Yeah. Because we've learned our kids need this. Mm-hmm. And in the example I gave, the, if, if 90% of the questions in my school are recall, um, it's, it would be sort of foolish for me to say, well, that's a teacher problem. That's a system problem. That who's more responsible for the system than the principal? Because obviously it's, it's so pervasive that no one has ever encountered it. They have never been taught about it. They've never been, you know, given any... Um, sort of thoughts about how to ask different kinds of questions. So that's a system problem that has to be addressed much larger than any one or few teachers. And so to me, that's a better way to think about it is that has to become part of our target functional development plan. Yeah. yeah. You know, this notion of student work, I mean, we could probably, we should probably do another whole podcast on that. Yep. Um, it's really, the, it really, I think is um, besides listening to students and just watching them and how they work. I think looking at student work is the number one most important thing. And it seems that it doesn't feel like we have enough time to do it all the time, or we really don't know how to do it. Um, but it's super important. I've always said what, what your kids are doing in, your, in the classroom every day is really what's happening at your school. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And I also think that in, in this day, um, when, when I go into classrooms and at every level, there is some degree of kids sort of checking boxes on a screen for their student work. Um, and I know that has value. Um, but what I also wonder is when we learn that kids are not proficient at writing, kids are not proficient at deep in thinking, is it a shock if they're spending too much of their time doing that kind of action? You know, so to me, it is, it is a shift to say, all right, let's think about the student worker we're generating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, as you said, I think that that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Um, these are endless. We could keep going forever and ever. But you know, yeah. Just to think about if you're listening to this, oh, wow, maybe, you know, just, just collect some, some work, some high, middle, low and bring it to a grade level and take a look at it around some area just as, just as a start, you know? Yeah. And if the question, if we had one question that said, what do we learn from the student work we're looking at? We learn from student work. Yeah. But it, when you know. it looks, yeah. Because it starts, then you can start to get into deeper and deeper. And it, it also shines a light on how important this is because the leaders have asked me to bring it to a meeting. It must be important. I think overall, yeah, all those things that we're saying is really comes down to, you know, how will we know if this is helping our students yeah. and not just from test scores. What are the formative ways? What are the, yeah, we decide that upfront and then it's no surprise. And then we don't wait until the end of the year when the test comes, we go, okay, you know, we're going to look for this questioning strategies and we're going to look for it at the end of the month. And then we can make a quarter turn because we didn't wait till the end of the year. We know now because mm-hmm. we saw the student work or we listened to the questions that were going on in the classroom or whatever. That's, that's the, that's the difference. Yeah. And at every level, it's always comforting to me to think that um, it's, it's sometimes it's as simple as it's a really good thing if we give kids lots of opportunities to think, talk, write and read, you mm-hmm. know, so, yeah. you know, if we're doing lots of that, we're probably going in the right direction. 
So, yeah. So um, again, thank you, Kathy, for your time. And thanks to those of you who are listening. We really appreciate you taking time to join us for these podcasts. Uh, we hope that they're uh, providing some value to you and this incredibly important work that you're doing to support children wherever you are. We also ask that you take time to go onto our website and avail yourself of things like our, our blog and our social media pages because we'd like to stay connected with you and create a two-way communication where you can be in touch with us. So again, thank you for all the work that you do for kids and thanks for taking time to join us here today on Leading for Impact. Thank you.